church tries very hard to emphasize the goodness of God's creation of the earth. There is this version of Christian faith that paints the earth as being all bad and we have to escape from earth to heaven and earth is going to be utterly destroyed by God. And we try to nuance this in our life together as a church by saying, no, sin, sin is bad and it has tainted much of God's good creation. But God's plan is not to destroy his creation. His plan is to renew it and to renew us. This is from the book of Colossians. God's plan is to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we emphasize this in several ways. We pray for all the vocations that are represented in our church. And we teach that these are places where you and I all serve God and his kingdom. We pray for the creation itself, for wide stewardship of the creation. And tonight, in a few moments, we're even going to confess ways that we haven't cared well for God's creation. We also practice hospitality and feasting together, enjoying the fruits of God's good creation. A lot of us did this last night in preparation for this. We believe not only that this is meaningful, but that it actually represents God's love and his intention for humans and the world as he made it to enjoy the fruits of his good creation. Now, even though we believe all of this is true, that it is biblical and it is right, there's still a danger here. Human beings can twist anything. We're idol makers. We twist even the best things. And the danger here is that we begin to look at life through an overpowered earthly lens. The cares of life begin to dominate our vision of God himself rather than the other way around, the way it's supposed to be, where our vision of God dominates our earthly cares. This is what Jesus is addressing in this passage in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, uh, will you open it to Matthew chapter 6 verse 1? Jesus challenges us, his followers, with two things. To help us regain and preserve a heavenly vision of our lives on earth. Two things that we're to do. The first thing he tells us to do is to practice righteousness. Practice righteousness. Righteousness is this massively important word in the Bible, and it's used in different ways. None of them conflicting with one another, but they each have different nuances. So one way is to speak of God's righteousness, God's spotless moral character, his perfect sense of the right in all circumstances, his justice. He is righteous in his justice. Another way is to speak of Christ's righteousness, which is very similar to God's righteousness. He lived a perfect life and offered himself in a sacrificial death. And in doing so, his righteousness is then made available to sinful human beings, all of us. So the Bible speaks of Christ's righteousness actually being transferred to sinful human beings. We can be forgiven of our sin and declared righteous because of Christ's righteousness. This is Romans chapter 3. A person is declared righteous by faith in Christ 
not by works of the law. But another way that the Bible speaks about righteousness, the way that Jesus speaks about it in Matthew chapter 6, is there's patterns of behavior that align us with God, that deepen our relationship to God. So, you know, we can be married or in a friendship, but not actually live in relationship. We can claim a marriage relationship, claim a friendship, but we know that the intimacy is broken. And the same can go for a relationship with God. We can claim salvation, but not live in relationship with him. But if we have received the righteousness of Christ, we want to practice his righteousness. So look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Listen to what Jesus says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, after Jesus says this, he goes on to speak of three specific ways that people are to practice righteousness, to align themselves with God and live in relationship with God. If you like to underline in your Bible, I I encourage you to underline these so that you can see how parallel they are. This is verse 2. When you give to the needy. And here's verse 5. When you pray. And here's verse 16, when you fast. In each case, Jesus says something similar. When you do this thing, make sure you don't do it to be seen by others, but do it for your Father who's in heaven. We're going to talk more about that part in a minute. But for now, I want you to notice how these three practices of righteousness call us to surrender to God in different areas of our lives. In giving to the needy, for instance, we're called to surrender our financial lives to God. Traditionally, this has been called almsgiving. In prayer, we're called to surrender our time and our sense of control over our world to God. And in fasting, we're called to surrender our impulses and our strength to God. I don't know if this is intentional, but it's very curious to me. Jesus calls on us in another place to love the Lord our God from three areas that represent the whole person. He calls us to, on us to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, soul, and strength. Likewise, he calls us to practice righteousness in three areas. And these three areas are obviously intended to call our whole personhood into surrender to God. Give to the needy, pray, and fast. These three areas call us to practice righteousness with all of our being. Practicing righteousness in these specific ways. It orients us toward God and heaven while we live out our lives on earth. We can't depend on our good intentions and our heartfelt desires to carry our relationships, can we? Marriages, friendships. So we can't do this with God either. So I want to invite us during the Lenten season, this is what the Lenten season calls us to do, is to lean into specific practices of righteousness as ways of directing our lives more fully to God. 
sacrifice more of your time and money during Lent. Set aside more time in prayer and choose a way of fasting. Now, in that list of three, there's one that is probably not your favorite, right? That's the one you need to lean into the most. Use these three three practices as a way of presenting your whole life before God, of opening your life to God. These three together help orient us toward him and toward others. Now, so Jesus tells us to do these two things, to, to regain a heavenly vision of our lives with him. One, to practice righteousness, and two, to seek only to be seen by our Father. To seek only to be seen by our Father. Uh, listen once more to verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. If you went through this passage and underlined every place the word seen or sees occurs, there would be a lot of them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now Jesus repeats that warning with each practice of righteousness. Don't give uh, don't give to the poor to be seen by men. Don't pray to be seen by men. Don't fast to be seen by men. Now None of us are going to blow a trumpet when we put money in the rector's discretionary fund later in this service, are we? But there's a truth that still stands here. All of us, if we're human, we want to know that we are seen. How awful it can feel to be looked over or even merely to feel as if we are looked over and unseen. So all of us at times perform acts with some conscious or even subconscious desire, no matter how small, to be seen, to be noticed. We want to be viewed as respectable, hardworking people having our stuff together. Our culture doesn't value piety probably quite as much as the culture in Jesus' day, but we still value it some. But there are other things we value even more, being known as being hardworking, for instance, providing for ourselves, being able to stand on our own two feet. So we might not sound the trumpet for a donation, but we might mention how much we've worked. We might give hints hoping that someone gives an affirmation of something we've done. And these things can be fairly innocent, or they can also be, as Jesus says, pursuit of an earthly reward and a waste of our time. After speaking about not seeking earthly rewards for several verses, Jesus says this in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Because that is where your treasures can get old and rust, or they can be stolen by the thief. Now, in the context, the treasures that Jesus speaks of are not primarily our earthly possessions that we buy. Remember, he's been talking about the rewards that we can get from being seen by others versus the rewards that we get from being seen by God. 
So here, when he speaks of treasures, Jesus is talking about the treasures we try to store up of our reputation and our perception in the eyes of others. Don't we value so much having a good reputation from others around us? The perception that others have of us? And Jesus is saying to that, the reward you get from other people seeing you, they're always very temporary. That favor is always fleeting. So instead, perform your acts before your Father in heaven for, a, for an audience of one. And your Father who sees in secret, remember this is a key word, who sees. You desire to be seen, Jesus is saying. Don't worry about, about being seen by others. Your Father sees So this Lent, we need to seek to be seen by God by giving ourselves to him. Giving ourselves to him in the areas that he loves to see us thrive. By practicing righteousness that orients our lives fully toward him. And we can trust when we practice these kinds of righteousness that God sees us. He loves us, that he's not looking on us in a cruel way, that we're not having to earn his favor in any kind of way, but he pours out his mercy on us, and we become more fruitful in being seen by him. We become more lovely as we experience his love that he pours out on us as we spend time with him in those kinds of places. So will you, this Lent, Give yourself to practicing righteousness before God and seek only to be seen by the Father. Not from others, not by others. That's where the reward happens so quickly. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.